think John Bubb, where are you, John? You would have loved that clip, wouldn't you? Still, still sale? Yes. <laughs> Probably it's not as much as you would like, I suspect. Yeah. Well, as Julie said, it's just been, uh, just been wonderful to be here this weekend. And uh, it, it is, you know, for Wollongong, an investment that you've made in our lives over so many years, while we're at the core and while we weren't at the core, uh, feel that you've made an investment all the way along. And uh, we appreciate that. And it's good to come to a place sometimes where you can be yourself and even show sometimes your competitive spirit. Um, and only those who were around last night would probably understand a little bit of that. Uh, Colonel, what did he call me, Sandra? Colonel Cutthroat. So it's a little bit of my competitive spirit coming out last night. Sort of, I think a little overdid it a little, just a tad. But anyway, that's the way it is. And uh, that's probably me. Yeah, probably me. Um, but that's a great example. Um, it, it, I relate differently, and all of us would, wouldn't we, in, in different ways and different examples of how the Holy Spirit actually works. And I like this sale one because it ha- has to do a bit with us and a bit with the Spirit. I mean, the Bible talks about keeping in step with the Spirit. So it seems to sort of imply there's a bit of a, a part that we've got to play as well. I've got a couple of books at home. One's called uh, Grace and Responsibility, and the other one's called Responsible Grace. And what these two books are actually saying is that, uh, and take this the right way and hear me, it's not all of God and it's not all of us. Sometimes when we live a life that we think, oh, it's all about God, we become quite lazy in our faith because God will do that. You know, it's all about God. But on the other side of things, we can say, well, it's all actually about me and what happens when it's all about me and less about God, we get very, very tired, don't we, and worn out. But I think like a sailing, there's a sweet spot in between our responsibility and keeping in step with the Spirit and the grace, which is all about God because he's sovereign. And there's a sweet spot in the middle, like a sail, John, isn't there, where you, you feel the wind and you just, you're there, you know, and you get maximum forward and the... And we talked about the power of God yesterday, this dynamis, this dynamite power of the Holy Spirit working in our lives. When we work, work together and we work with him on that, as we have that responsibility, we find that sweet spot in our life where God just drives us forward in our faith. And that, that's a wonderful experience. And sometimes we lean over here, sometimes, don't we? And sometimes we lean over this side. But when, when we're faithful in that and we're, we're hearing God and what God is doing and partner with him in that and keep in step with him then we get maximum way forward in our lives and we feel that God is really doing something. I want to talk about how to be filled with the Holy Spirit this morning and uh, they had a verse there from Ephesians that said uh, be filled with the Spirit. This is Paul talking to the church at Ephesus and in the, in the Greek sort of language the text of that the tense, sorry, of that particular verse means keep on being filled. So it's just, you know, not just be filled, but actually keep on being filled with the Spirit. So it's a, a, the tense of the word is ongoing. Uh, so God keeps filling us, and we keep in step with the Spirit as we go along in our life like a sail. Right, going forward in the right direction of what God is doing for us. I'd like you to look at uh, chapter uh, 2 of Acts. And uh, we're going to read some of the verses through, through the book of Acts. 
because as we talked about uh, yesterday, a bit of history in the Old Testament, New Testament, and, and Julie's, uh, how the Spirit works in our life, uh, we'll just see, and I'm going to do just a little bit, and Julie's going to come in and just uh, finish the second part of this this morning. Uh, but through Acts, we see uh, where, where people, different people were at uh, in regards to uh, the, the Holy Spirit's work in their life, the infilling of the Spirit's life. Now, if you read Acts chapter 2 and verses 2 to 4, uh, uh, this first group of people were people who were longing to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So remember Jesus promised the disciples, wait, the Holy Spirit will come. They didn't quite understand that. But there were a group of people, a group of disciples that were longing to be filled with the Spirit. They were longing for this moment that Jesus was actually talking about. So they were expectant. They were, they were longing for this Spirit, the Spirit of God to come. And it says here when they were, were in the upper room, so suddenly a, 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 like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire which separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So here was a group of people who were longing for the Spirit to move in their life. Now, there might be some people this morning that you have a longing for that to happen. You're just waiting, you are eager. And we asked a question on Friday night, what do you want to do? What do you need the Holy Spirit to do in your life over this weekend? And are you longing for that? Because these people were longing for it and God fulfilled their longing in the Spirit coming and filling them. So another group uh, from Acts, chap- Acts chapter 8, uh, verse 14 through to verse 23. I won't read it all, but here was another group of people who were uh, not so much longing but they certainly were receptive to the work of the Holy Spirit. It says, When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. And when they arrived, they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not yet come upon them, any of them. They'd simply been baptised in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. So they've been baptised under John the Baptist, but they really hadn't heard about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So Peter and John comes along, so they were receptive, not so much longing, but they were receptive to the words that Peter and John had to say about the difference really about being baptised with John the Baptist in water and being baptised by the Holy Spirit. And they were open and receptive to that. Now... You might sit in that category this morning, you know, being open. Remember the original question again on Friday night? Be open to what you need or want the Holy Spirit to do in your life here this morning. And being receptive to that, being open to that. The third group uh, was in Acts chapter 8 verses 1 to 3. Now, this wasn't a group of people, even though there probably was a group of people, but this one specifically talks about Paul. And at that stage, his name was Saul. Now, he was a person who was actually hostile 
to the Holy Spirit, to Jesus. And you know the history, some of you, most of you know the history of Saul, was that, uh, you know, he confirmed the stoning of Stephen, who's a Christian. He, uh, he got a sanction and letters from the leaders to go out and hunt down Christians, actually, and put them in jail. But uh, the Holy Spirit, through Jesus, had other things in mind for this hostile man. And the Holy Spirit intervened in his life on the Damascus Road as Jesus actually appeared to him and broke into his life. Now, I don't know if you know anybody who's been a little bit hostile to the gospel, but there's been a point of time when God just cuts in and through into their life, and it's almost confronting to that person. And Jesus said to Saul, you become Paul, and uh, you will go out and preach the love of Jesus. Now, I always find it a bit strange that how... Jesus came into his life, he got converted, he goes out and tries to preach and does preach in an incredible way the love of Jesus. But he actually has to get back to preaching that love of those same people, I suppose, in lots of ways that he ridiculed previously. Or even put into jail. And now he's talking about the love of Jesus. And I think it's only the Holy Spirit's work in Paul's life that enabled him to do that. So even hostile people, uh, the Holy Spirit will come in his own way to transform. The fourth group is uh, a very much an uninformed group. Didn't really know much or anything about the Holy Spirit. If you look at Acts chapter 19, you'll see a passage there, uh, the first six verses. And I want to read just some of that. So it's Acts 19. So this is an uninformed group. So it says, while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived in Ephesus. Uh, There he found some disciples and asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, no, we haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked, well, what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. And Paul said, but John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is, in Jesus. And on hearing this, they were baptised in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. So here was a group of people who didn't even know who the Holy Spirit was. This Trinitarian God, Father, Son, and Spirit. Right from creation, as we talked about Saturday morning, right through the, test, uh, the Old Testament and the New Testament. group of people who were repentant, who were followers of Jesus, but didn't understand or ill-informed about the totality of who God actually was through his spirit. And here he does a work again. And the fifth category was a very, very unlikely category of people now let's turn to Acts chapter 10 and uh, this is a bit of a longer passage and I want to read it through because it sort of gives us the context of this story in uh, verses 24 through to verse 47 so it's Acts chapter 10 just starting at verse 24 says the following day they came to Caesarea 
And Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. And on Peter's arrival, Cornelius met him and falling at his feet, worshipped him. But Peter made him get up, saying, Stand up, I'm only a mortal. And as he talked with him, he, he went in and found that many had assembled. And he said to them, uh, You yourselves know that it is unlawful for a Jew to associate with or visit a Gentile. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone profane or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without objection. How may I ask why you sent for me? Cornelius replied, four days ago at this very hour at three o'clock I was praying in my house when suddenly a man in dazzling clothes stood before me. He said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard and your arms have been remembered before God. Send therefore to Joppa and ask for Simon, who is called Peter. He is staying in the home of Simon the tanner by the sea. Therefore I sent for you immediately and you have been kind enough to come. So now all of us are here in the presence of God to listen to all that the Lord has commanded you to say. Then Peter began to speak to them. I truly understand that God shows no partiality. But in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. You know the message he sent to the people of Israel, preaching peace by Christ Jesus. Uh, He is Lord of all. That message spread throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee, after the baptism that John announced, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, how he went about doing good and healing all those who were oppressed by the devil. For God was with him. We had witnesses to all he had did, both in Judea and in Jerusalem. Then put him to death by hanging him on a tree. But God raised him on the third day and allowed him to appear, not to all of the people, but to us who have chosen by God as witnesses, and who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one ordained by God as judge of the living and the dead. And all the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. And while Peter was still speaking, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who heard the word. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. For they heard them speaking in tongues and exalting God. And Peter said, Can anyone withhold the water for baptising these people who have received the Holy Spirit, just as we have? So he ordered them to be baptised in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they invited him to stay for several days. When the Holy Spirit comes, he comes sometimes with physical manifestations. You see... God at work in people's lives through his Holy Spirit. Um, It might be that people get emotional, but God works in different ways. I've seen people lay on the ground and uh, almost asleep for a while and get up renewed and different. Uh, I've seen people in all sorts of ways be challenged. become angry even sometimes and then make a change in their life and their attitude almost overnight and we've heard the stories about drunk people even coming to the mercy seat and standing up and being dry and sober and uh, just amazing miracles that take place but it's different for everybody isn't it you know we can't say God works in this way and is in a box I tell you you can't put God in a box he never can And he works in the ways that he chooses. 
And depending sometimes even on our personalities as to why we sort of respond to the filling of God's Holy Spirit. And some of us will get emotional, some of us will get quiet, some of us won't even be able to say a word because we're so emotionally energised by his spirit with, from within and can't even speak sometimes. And that's sometimes like me. I just go a little bit quiet and don't say a word. So physical manifestations. As I said, everyone's experience is different as well. But what matters is God's love has been poured into our hearts. We experience the love of God. And I've heard people say when the Holy Spirit has come within their life, and even some people say, I feel the warm feeling. But lots of people feel and say that they feel loved. Have you heard that? You just feel completely loved and accepted. And I think God works in that way and he wants us to feel loved by God. You are loved by God. You know that, don't you? You are loved by God. And sometimes our relationships with each other break down. But God loves us on our best days. Actually, God loves us just as much, exactly the same on our worst days. He loves us consistently. And that's so what's wonderful about the love of Jesus. And the Holy Spirit, as he comes in, he affirms that in our life. And he affirmed that these people here, even though they weren't Jews, they were Gentiles, and the message got through, well, it's for all, God's Spirit is for all people. And uh, they should be pursuing this person of Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit. Not so much the experience of it, but the relationship with Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit in their lives. It was interesting that when they experienced this deep, deep love of, 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 of Jesus, when they were reminded of what Jesus had done for them, the death on the cross, the, the power of the resurrection, and the disciples, the disciples spoke about what they'd seen and heard. The disciples spoke from their own experience. They'd seen it. They'd witnessed the love of Jesus in their own lives. They'd seen how he'd treated others. He'd, they'd heard him speak. They'd seen it and they, they witnessed the love of, of God in Jesus on the cross. They didn't understand it all, but they'd seen and experienced for themselves. So in this uh, Acts chapter 10, they expressed their love for God. That's what the, when we're filled with the Spirit, we express our love for God. Now in this Acts chapter 10, it says that they, that they were heard to be praising God and speaking in tongues. Now Mark said when, when the God's Spirit... Uh, fills our life, it's in all sorts of ways, all sorts of ways, and we, we react and uh, we demonstrate and express our love for God in all sorts of ways. But in Acts 10, and 10 if you've still got your Bibles open, have a look, because uh, they, they praised, the, praised the Lord. That they, with what they heard the disciples saying, they, their hearts were full of praise, full of gratitude. They couldn't help it. And as a result, they started speaking in tongues. Now, it, it appears, uh, the commentators, commentaries say, that this was a little different to Acts chapter 2. They, they weren't, when they referred to speaking in tongues, it wasn't so others could understand. It was more like a, a love language. It was their language expressing their love for God. Now, if you look uh, over to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, uh, it's in here that Paul says, um, 
that uh, we, we can speak in tongues in, in a couple of ways, but it's more than expressing our love for God through what we say or through our, the way we connect with God. It's the way we live. It's when we demonstrate the love of God and the difference that the Holy Spirit has made in our lives. So just if you want to look at uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, but the next slide up here is, um, I just wonder, what does a, a spirit-filled Salvation Army look like? When we look in the early church, we see what the, the transforming work of the Spirit. We notice what the difference uh, in the lives of the disciples. They came from being fearful to bold courageously speaking about all they'd seen and heard. We saw the difference. People were added to the numbers of uh, of the Christian faith every day. We saw it in the way that uh, people expressed their love for each other, in in the way that they shared their belongings and they ate meals together, they prayed, they they loved meeting together. And I I think you mentioned it, Hayden, where it was so important that they came together. Well, when Linda Bond was general, she said, uh, we see a spirit-filled army of the 21st century, sanctuary, uh, convinced of its calling, uh, moving forward together in the world of the hurting, broken, lonely, dispossessed and lost, reaching them by all means with the transforming message of Jesus, bringing freedom and hope. Is that the, is that the Salvation Army that you and I are working in, are serving in, worshipping in? Linda Bond said, I see this spirit-filled army, and I do see it. I see the evidence of God every day. I see people's lives transformed. I hear the stories, and I love hearing the stories. So in Acts, um, we see the transforming work of God, and they expressed their love for God in many, many ways. Just want to briefly touch on the, uh, the fact that they expressed their love for God. They praised God through uh, speaking in tongues because it's a spiritual gift it's a love language it's a, a love language between you and God now there, if you look at uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 look at the very uh, first verse can somebody read that for me 1 Corinthians 13 just read the first verse for me biggest voice you got Hmm. So I fear. So it's you know. Paul said, "Well, it's this is this is normal for us to speak in a different language if we're trying to express our love for God." Uh, sometimes uh, we, we struggle with this because we don't experience this in the same way as each other. We all experience uh, expressing our love for God in different ways. But there are two things that in the, in that uh, that one verse, there's this uh, human speech and an angelic speech. I'm going to ask Mrs Skinner, because when, when we were in, um, in youth group, I remember Stephen telling us about his father, an experience he had with his... Well, I don't even know if you were there, um, Stephen, but he heard the story about his father uh, and mother when they first went to Papua New Guinea. They didn't know the language, but this, uh, this event happened. Mrs Skinner, can you share what happened on that day? Yes, here. Big voice, because I think you're you're going to go on TV there. (laughs) This is an incident that happened quite a long time ago, but it remains fresh in my mind. And each time we go through the scriptures, particularly in Acts, it always comes back to me. 
but we were, as Julie has said, we were sent to Papua New Guinea, and one day we were in Australia. The next day we were in Ley in Papua New Guinea, surrounded by, by people with different coloured faces who wanted to talk to us and whom we wanted to talk to, but language was the problem. We bought a Melanesian dictionary and we'd sort of look up the word in English that we were wanting to talk about to the people, but it was very slow and very long and we weren't very successful. And this happened for a couple of weeks. And during that time, when we were fresh in Papua New Guinea, we were living in the hostel where there would be about a couple of hundred national people working and living there. And someone came to the door and bang, bang, bang on the door. Captain, captain, come quick, quick, fight, fight. And so my husband got up from the tea table and went with this fellow to where the fight was. And all the way to the fight, which was right at the back of the property, uh, he was praying and asking the Lord to help him meet whatever. He didn't know what he was about to face. And when he got to the spot where they were fighting, he found that two men were fighting and they were surrounded by almost all the other people who were living in the hostel. And he moved forward through the people to the two men. One man had... um, they used to have electric jugs that were made of crockery and one fellow had borrowed the other fellow's electric jug, dropped it and it broke and so the one who owned the jug got a piece of jagged crockery and was about to attack the other fellow who didn't ask if he could borrow the jug. And so they were fighting, the crowd was surrounding them and it was dark And so my husband moved forward and he started talking and he found that people stopped talking in the group and some of them moved away and then eventually the two men who were fighting stopped fighting and my husband stopped talking then. (laughs) It was all over and he came back to the house and said, I don't know what I said, but it stopped the fight. But then later on, there was a Baptist minister who lived in Ley. He was uh, the support man for missionaries who were translating in villages in Papua New Guinea. And he said, we'll teach you the Neo-Melanesian language of pidgin. And so they have a proper dictionary and uh, reference books so that you can learn the language. And we based our learning on one of the Gospels. And day by day, when we were doing these lessons with the Baptist minister, he said, Don said, some of those words are words that I used to stop the fight. So the Holy Spirit had been prepared to help him at that time stop the fight without him even knowing the language. And we praise God for that. So the Holy Spirit comes upon us, fills us and provides all that we need, all that we need to live for him and serve him. And whether it's in another language, whether it's, a, it's the prayer language, whether it's a language that helps you express your love for God and, uh, in ways you never thought it was, when you're praying and you're reading the scriptures and you're able to just, you know, this 
that words that you, you, you don't even know come over you. And it's, uh, it helps you to connect with God, to communicate with God. Paul also speaks in Corinthians about the importance of being careful in public worship, that uh, probably that's not the place unless someone else can get up and, and tell the rest of the congregation what was said. It's a, it's a private language between you and God. So that's why you don't always, we don't use, we don't have uh, speaking in tongues in our public meetings because we don't want to confuse people. It's a language that helps us understand and, and, and connect with God. But, you know, I believe when the Holy Spirit fills our lives, he, he creates within us and, and provides for us a new love language. It could be speaking in tongues. It could be this prayer language. And there will be people in this room who do, who have this beautiful language that they connect with God with. But, you know, I believe when we look at 1 Corinthians, and if you want to just have a look at through those, those verses now, it's more than what we say. It's the way we live. And I believe the evidence of the Holy Spirit in filling our lives is, is seen in the way we live. Could someone read chapter 13 again of uh, 1 Corinthians? Because this is what I want to focus on today. If we're going to be a spirit-filled army of the 21st century, then the Holy Spirit needs to be seen in all we do and say. The Holy Spirit needs to be moving and, and directing us and guiding. And we've heard about it this morning in lots of different ways. But uh, could uh, maybe someone read, we've read verse 1. Could someone read uh, maybe verses 2 down to verse 7? Could someone read those verses in your biggest voice? Love never fails. We spoke yesterday about the fruit of the Spirit. We spoke yesterday about the gifts of the Spirit. So for the Salvation Army in Wollongong, the Salvation Army all over Australia, if we're going to be the Spirit-filled army of the 21st century, then uh, we really God needs to be uh, speaking in and through us, using all that he's provided through his Spirit so that we can be the people that God created us to be, so that we can see the needs in our community, we can see the hurting, the, those who, are, who have no purpose. We can see people, we can see the needs of all of those around us and uh, spread the good news, share the love of Jesus. And uh, it's not always about our words, it's about how we live. And I want to encourage you, thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for the way you're listening to the Spirit and are aware of the Spirit. And I pray that God will do even greater things. Now, as Mark mentioned, the Spirit comes in lots of different ways and at different times in our lives. And there'll be, there could be some people here saying, well, I don't even believe. You know, I'm not even sure. I don't even know if the Holy Spirit's at work in my life. There could be some of you who, uh, who are doubting and saying, well, gosh, I'm, I'll never be good enough. If, if, if you only knew my past, if you knew what I'd done in the past, gosh, there's no way that God could use me. Yes, he can. You look through the Bible. Look at each other. 
God uses, he, he can work miracles in our lives and he takes the worst of us, he sees the best in us. Mark and I wouldn't be standing here today if it wasn't for the Spirit of God and uh, we're so grateful. What about a fear? What about, what will God ask me to do? And somebody mentioned that, what will he ask me to do? Will he make, make me go to college and become an officer or, you know, how will God use me? Well, I hope, I'm praying that God will keep raising up officers and, and leaders in the salvation. And we, 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 need, we need, I don't believe God stopped speaking and calling people to be officers. So if God's calling you, please consider it. And it's, honestly, it's a challenging life, but it's a most exciting life because, you know, we're, we're, we've been, you know, we believe God's working in and through us. But that's not it. You know, it's not the only life. You're all ministers of the gospel wherever you are. You're the ministers of the gospel. You're sharing the love of Jesus. So don't be fearful. Be, be courageous and uh, allow God's spirit to work through you. Some of you, you will be feeling inadequate. I can't do it. I can't speak about, the, about my faith. I can't tell people about what God's done. But you can show it. You can show love and compassion and joy and, and peace and patience. You can do that. And uh, God will give you the words when you need it most. There's a beautiful story in Luke. And it's following um, that Jesus teaching his disciples about the Lord's Prayer. And then he says, look, if you want God to do something in your life, then ask him. Seek and knock, and uh, God will answer your prayers. And, and there's a beautiful verse right at the end that says, when he's referring about, you know, if you want something, kids, you go to your father or your mother. We used to know who to go to as to who to get what from. But, you know, you know if you go and ask for a, bre- a piece of bread, your father or your mother's not going to give you a stone or a, a, a stick to eat. They're going to give you what's best for you. So how much more? How much more in, in uh, Luke chapter 11 verse 13 says, Will your Father in heaven give, give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? How much more? He loves us. He wants us to be all that we can be, to enjoy life to the fullest, to be the, the, his witnesses. We're disciples. We're sons and daughters of the Most High. He wants us to be the most effective. Well, Mark and I uh, started the weekend with this prayer from Ephesians chapter 3. And uh, we asked the group that were here on Friday night to uh, share it with each other, to pray it for each other. This is our prayer for the Salvation Army in Wollongong and the Salvation Army throughout Australia. And in a few moments we're going to have time, we've got time before we go to lunch, but we're going to, we're going to have some time of reflection. So we asked right at the beginning, what is God saying to you? What do you want the Spirit of God to do in your life? So uh, we're going to give opportunity for you to, to do one or three things, really. So I've printed Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 to 21. And I'm going to say the papers down here on the speaker box and over here. Or in your, you take your Bible and pray it for yourself. Pray it for your core. You know, you can sit where you are. Pray this prayer because, and I think someone else mentioned in, the, in their uh, they're sharing, that we may be filled with the fullness of God. That's what God wants to do for us through his spirit. Filled with the, the fullness of God. And the, right at the very end, which is my favourite, talks about he's, he's able to do abundantly more, immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine. That's our God. That's the work of the spirit. And the Holy Spirit fills our lives. We can do more than what uh, we ever imagined possible. In, in the church, in the Salvation Army, at uh, Wollongong, in the, in, through all generations, the young, the old. It's not just about uh, one age group. 
So that's the prayer. So if you want to pray that prayer, grab the piece of paper, grab your Bibles, sit somewhere, stand. You might even want to come and kneel somewhere. Pray this prayer for yourself or, or for your call. Pray this prayer that you'll feel, experience the fullness of God.